It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap ball. Hand off Jacobs. That's the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everyone. This hour of the show is brought to you by Remy Martin. Remy Martin 1738 Cognac is all about sharing good moments. Just like great moments in Raiders history in the past, the Heidi game, the Holy Roller, Red Right 88, Super Bowl 11, the anniversary is today. Super Bowl 15, 18, and how about the Chandler Jones lateral play? That was a great moment in regular season Raider history. One of the top plays of all time. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. As we continue our number two, Harry Ruiz is going to join us here in a few moments. Also, Mark Anderson, who was also there today. He asked some questions about the defense from the AP. We'll talk to him. This is the aftermath. The playoffs are set up. I'll dive into that next segment from a moving lines perspective here in Vegas and how you're going to bet that. A lot of teams have played each other this year. So we're seeing a lot of rematches. Very interesting here. I think Raider fans should should be pretty upset about what happened this year when you see teams like the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. You see the Chargers and the Jaguars in the playoffs. The Miami Dolphins are in the playoffs. Come on, Raiders are a better team than the Miami Dolphins. But it's hard to say that when they're in the playoffs. You see other teams like the Seahawks with Geno Smith. The New York Giants with Daniel Jones are in the playoffs. You look at these teams, and the Raiders got to believe that they are there with those teams and got to get in next year. Uh, this was a disappointing year because they're evaluated by wins and losses. The Raiders had a losing season. With six wins, they should have had nine or ten if they didn't have some collapses and some second-half games that they blew leads, which were really tough, really tough to stomach, and we'll be talking about that for years to come. We'll be talking about this for years to come, win or lose. And the good news is DeMar Hamlin has been released from the hospital to return to Buffalo. He has returned to Buffalo. That is breaking news. UC Health Medical Center in Cincinnati did a tremendous job. Everybody else who was there did an unbelievable job. How about that? We're going to play some of that sound later. If DeMar Hamlin, the first play of the game in Buffalo is a kickoff return. Unbelievable moment of drama yesterday in Buffalo. Harry Ruiz joins us for the aftermath the Latino voice of the Silver and Black. So, Harry, I saw you there on Saturday. Kind of a disappointing loss because the game got away from the Raiders early and they didn't have the ability to come back against Kansas City, who was playing for home field and the one seed for now and getting a bye week. So Kansas City, clearly the better team. Yeah, absolutely, JT. Thanks for having me once again. And you noticed on the field which one was the team with double-digit wins and which one was a team that was going to have a top 10 draft pick. Kansas City, like Josh McDaniel said in your interview uh, for Raiders.com, is like, hey, that's the team that everyone is chasing, not only in the division, but heck, in all of the AFC. So they're the standard bearer, and now the Raiders, they got to catch up and figure out a way to get on their level to them be the team to get cha- be the ones that are ch- ch- chased by the, op- the opposition. Kansas City, they got a great offense, and they took advantage of it on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon at Allegiant. 
Yeah, Harry, what do you think of Jared Stidham in the second game? He played really good against the 49ers. I didn't think he had much of a chance in this game because he wasn't going to be able to go up and down the field with Patrick Mahomes, but I thought the game plan should have been embrace the shootout if you're going to do it because Stidham is mobile. I like when he runs for first downs. I think this guy's good for 40 or 50 yards a game. We've seen it in two games. Absolutely, and the unfortunate thing for him was that the Raiders – uh, found themselves in a hole early in the first half. And when they got all the way to the two-yard line in their second drive, they weren't able to get any points on the board. They gave the ball up on fourth and goal. And then the Raiders, they had an opportunity to stop Kansas City, but a penalty left Kansas City on the field, and they ended up scoring on a 98-yard drive. So once the Raiders found themselves down by multiple positions, it was pretty much game over for the silver and black, and they weren't able to put themselves up there. And Jared Stidham, I mean, we noticed that there was a little bit more video on him after that first start that he had. So the uh, Chiefs were able to find with Steve Spagnuolo a little bit of things that they could do in their favor to affect Jared Stidham. They were able to get to him six times on Saturday with sacks, but many more times with hits, and they were able to pick him off a couple of times. So the they definitely have once with an interception, once with a forced fumble. The Raiders, they got a lot of work to do in that quarterback position right now. Henry Ruiz is our guest. So what a year for Josh Jacobs. He never finished higher than eighth in the NFL in rushing. Never finished higher than eighth. He's number one. 1,653 rush yards. That's 503 more than 2019, his previous high. And how about this? 4,740 career rushing yards. Most in the history of this great franchise in its first four seasons. If everybody's looking for a positive or two or three, that's a hell of a positive going forward. Absolutely, and you can call this the second most productive season in Raiders history for a running back. And the only one that was better, you go with Marcus Allen in 1985 when he was the MVP, the only two running backs with 2,000-plus scrimmage yards in a season for the silver and black. So Josh Jacobs, he was definitely the bright spot of this Raider team. And now here comes the big decision. What, do you, what does the team want to do in the future? We know Vinny Bonsignor from Raider Nation Radio and Review Journal that he has reported that the Raiders are planning to keep him with the team. And let's see how much they, they value him because he is an asset that this team can definitely ride, that can definitely take advantage of when he's out there on the field. Unfortunately, this great season of his ends up with a six-win season and not with more wins and potentially a playoff berth, but he has a bright future in the NFL, JT, that's for sure. No doubt about it. Harry Ruiz is our guest. So, Harry, the other positive is Devontae. I love the way his energy is, the way he goes for every ball. I thought he could have caught maybe two touchdowns in this game, tough grabs, the one in the end zone over the double team. He had his hands on the ball. I'm surprised he didn't pull it down, but, you know, it's hard to do that. He's a great player. He makes most of the catches. And his tone about staying here in the future, any reasonably responsible human being knew that he was upset about Derek Carr, but he's not going to leave because of Derek Carr. He has a job here in Las Vegas. He agreed to come to the Raiders. Now, possibly, he could help Stidham become better or, wink, wink, help recruit the next star quarterback, the elite quarterback. Here's my big, big issue. Devontae's got to be active getting the quarterback in here if there's a chance to get a superstar, because the superstar is going to want to play for Devontae and with Devontae. That's pretty basic to everyone here, and I think Devontae loves it in this town and can go out and make that happen. Absolutely. This is a team that he rooted for when he was growing up, the Silver and Black, the Raiders, and now uh, which are the kind of players that 
get the heads up or get ask their opinions when, hey, do you, what do you think about this player if we bring him in by the front office, by the coaching staff, the elite players? Devontae Adams, he's an elite of the elite in the NFL. He's one of the top ten players in the league, and the Raiders definitely would be in a great peace of mind to be like, hey, you know what, Devontae's a guy that we have to go and talk to and see what he thinks. And then Devontae can end up helping you go out and – He's an asset for this team mm-hmm. that the Raiders know that they can use uh, to bring in some a big name, to bring in somebody that is able to do big things. You look over at the Bucks when they brought in Tom Brady, they were able to bring in more players mm-hmm. uh, with better contracts with the team. You have a Devontae Adams in your team, there are going to be guys that want to come over and play and learn from Devontae Adams. And just look around the talent that the Raiders have in that wide receiver and tight end room. They learned a lot from Devontae this year, and that's talking about the guys in the same position. Now the guys that benefit, like Josh Jacobs, he benefited a lot having Devontae Adams on the field because that opened holes for him uh, running the ball. So... Having Devontae Adams on this team is a game changer for the Raiders. Now you got to change the game, winning games as well. Waller and Renfro are really important going forward. If they both want to be here, I think they do. They're under contract. Uh, they were extended on their deals. They weren't available for most of the season, but we got a chance to see them. And they and, and they both played well down the stretch here, but they weren't phenomenal. They, they were both on the field with Devontae. It's going to be tough for these guys to play their future with Devontae, and if Josh is still here running at this pace, for them to have 10 reception games and 11 reception games, that ship, I'm not saying it's sailed, but if you got Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, there's going to be less opportunity for Waller and Renfro, and they just got to be healthy for a complete season. This is a big deal to me, Harry, because Renfro could, and Renfro's going to be here, and Waller's going to be here unless some trade happens that I'm not aware of. But these guys are not going to get the touches. I remember Tim Brown coming on the show. The first thing he said to me when Devontae came was he kind of laughed. He said, well, Hunter's not going to get 100 balls. And he wasn't able to do it, but he was injured. Did you see enough calling these games as the Latino play-by-play boys that you're optimistic that Waller and Renfro can come back and have breakout seasons again like last season? I saw way more from Waller since his comeback than from Renfro. But then Renfro, it wasn't as much as in volume, but in key situations with what he was getting popular by in his first season, the third and Renfro. And he was the guy that you, he was your go-to on third downs that he can evade the, the mark from the opposing team and be like, okay, I get wide open, I get, out, get to the marker, get that first down. Waller, he was able to produce chunk yard plays, big 20-yard passes that he was catching. So this is going to be the, them understanding their role. They're not going to be the Hunter Renfro from 2021 that led the Raiders in receptions and yards. The 2022 Darren Waller that led the Raiders in yards and receptions. They're not going to have that role anymore, but they can still be a key component of this Raiders offense if the front office and the coaching staff sees it that way and the players as well. Wrapping it up with Harry Ruiz. So, Harry, I'm not going to ask you, but I will ask you at some point in the Raiders season, before the draft most likely, how many players the Raiders need on this defense because the defensive tackles are okay. They're not great. You need a great defensive tackle, and they're just not around in this league. Aaron Donald, there's like five guys in this league who are stars on the interior. The Raiders have to get better there. I'm assuming they can't get out of Chandler Jones's deal. 
and they're going to give Chandler Jones one more year, which Chandler should deserve because he played hard. He's had a great, brilliant career. It didn't live up to the hype this year, but he had some flash moments, and maybe the extra time off will do him well. Max is going to be great. I don't know. I would bring back Perryman if the contract was right. I wouldn't overpay for him, but I think they need two new linebackers and maybe two corners. Nate Hobbs is uh, – I want to say Nate Hobbs should be a shutdown corner on the outside by himself. You can develop him into that. I thought he regressed a little bit, but he had injuries. And then the safeties, I don't know how much you can get out of Deron Harmon anymore. Maybe one more year. And Trayvon Merrig is a good player, but he's proven not to be a great player in this league. How much work on this defensive side, Harry? It looks like it's going to be a ton of work to me. Yeah, definitely a lot of work, especially after you saw guys that – in their first season in the NFL, like Trayvon Merrick and Nate Hobbs, shined that they did a great job with the previous defensive coordinator system. They weren't able to adapt as well to Patrick Graham's system, and Patrick Graham, everything indicates that he's coming back. So they might want to find pieces that are the ideal fit for what they, the, this coaching staff is looking for, and hopefully Hobbs and um, Trayvon Merrick, who are draft picks for the Silver and Black, are able to to take a step forward after being a year in the system. But definitely this defense needs a lot of work. And hopefully in year two with Graham, they can take those steps that they took back this year, take them forward, progress, and help this team have a possibility to win games and not be allowing 25-plus points pretty much three-quarters of their games. All right, Harry. Well, what was your best memory of the year? What was the best play-by-play call or the best moment where you look back on and you're going to say that was the, that was the moment I'm going to remember going forward the rest of my life about this past season? So here you go. I got my best memory of the year hanging out with the Raider Nation, JT. That's okay. the best for me. Being able to be out there at the tailgates and being out there. Heck, right now I'm going to go with Gorilla Rilla and off the hook to go have uh, lunch before they head out back to the Bay. But the best call, I mean, I can't say anything besides that Chandler Jones uh, touchdown return. It was nuts. It was super unexpected. Of everything that could have happened in that field, JT, that was the last thing I could have imagined that was going to happen, that he would uh, take that ball off of the lateral from Jacoby Myers, push down Mac Jones, and then take it to the house. When the heck did we imagine that? We were all ready to get uh, 10 minutes of more football in overtime, and the Raiders ended up walking it off. So, I mean, I could go with that. I could go with the Josh Jacobs 86-yard touchdown, touchdown run, but it definitely has to be uh, Chandler Jones. It's, he takes his top, the top spot with uh, my, my favorite call. Yeah, I think that was great. Again, the 85, the 88-yard walk-off in Seattle was epic, but nothing will, nothing will top Chandler Jones. That was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, especially at home. Harry, we'll continue to talk to you. Thank you. Say hi to Rilla for me, and have a great rest of your day. Absolutely. JT, before leaving, I got to thank you a lot, man. You've been huge, a huge, huge support system for me uh, since I got into the Raiders organization with the radio calls and now with Raider Nation Radio with Lotus Broadcasting. You're the man. Thank you so much, man. No problem, Harry. Anything I could do for you, you know that. Harry Ruiz, good man. He's out there. He grinds. And he's part of our insider network, and I hope to expand on that again. This year we brought in Harry, Levi Edwards, brought them in, and we want to keep the guys that we have. This is not a goodbye. The the year just started. We're in January, early January, but we give Vic Tafer a break. He deserves it. We give Paul Gutierrez a break, Bill Williamson. All the guys that I have on every two weeks in the grid, as we call it, 
we disappear. Maybe we get a hit from them all before the Super Bowl, get a hit before the draft, and then next year I ring them up and say, please, can you do it again? And they've all been kind because they're all here for a reason, to bring you elements of the Raiders that I can't bring you from inside the locker room or around the nation, whatever they have with their great work. We're real proud of our insiders here. All right, I'm going to talk about some of these playoff games coming up next and some of the seedings here and what jumps out at me. And then Mark Anderson will join us in about 20 minutes. So third down and five for the Chiefs. Mahomes gets the snap. Pressure off the edge. Backpedals, backpedals. And sacked at the logo at midfield. Jerry Tillery in there with Cleland Furl, who comes out of there swinging a baseball bat. And the Raiders are going to get the ball back inside of six minutes. Thanks for coming back, JT, as we sit here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. The aftermath as the Raiders season came to an end Saturday. Over at Allegiant Stadium, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know there's a lot of passion. A lot of people have talked to me, called me, texted me, called into this show and want to know what's next. And we're going to have plenty of time to figure out what's next. This is going to be one of the most interesting off-seasons I've seen in my career. And I've seen a bunch of big off-seasons. Take it from me. I hope it's one of the reasons you listen. I've seen a lot in 24 years with this team. And I'm optimistic about the future because I'm always optimistic about the future. You always think you're going to be better than the year before. You always hope to do it. You take a step forward. You stay the same. You take a step back. And there's no debate. The Raiders took a step back. No doubt. This year, not only with their record, I think some of the personnel as they were purging the roster, as I talked about openly with you all year, deconstruction of the roster, setting themselves up for this year, which is going to be a massive year coming up for Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels to turn this team around and get better players in here. So that's pretty much what I have to say on that topic, and I'll answer any question about personnel, or and I'll bring along anything I hear about personnel as we continue to do Raiders Roundtable, and once a Raider, always a Raider, and the podcast that I'm doing going forward. Anything that I hear that's on the record. Did you hear what I said? Not off the record, but on the record. You'll hear on the show, as always. As we continue, we're brought to you by Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. Bunch of friends in town. Went to one steakhouse. I said the Monday night football crew ended up doing the game on Saturday. Steve Levy, Dan Orlowski, the entire team, Lewis Riddick, former Raider, all went to one steakhouse and raved to me about it at the game. How great it was. That's inside Virgin Hotels where they have fantastic restaurants. Unbelievable. No boo is there. Obviously, I go to Olives a lot. If you're going in there to gamble, to have a good time, go have a great dinner. Go have a great dinner and go have a great time there at Virgin Hotel. So Black Monday here as we continue with the coaches, and I'm not that concerned on that. I want to spend a few minutes here and talk about the schedule that's coming up and look at the moving lines and get an idea of what's happening from a gambling perspective here. This is Super Wild Card Weekend, they're calling it now. Man, they're always coming up with new names. So here's the playoff schedule, and there's a lot of rematches from the regular season. So Saturday, the 14th, the 1.30 Pacific game, I'll go Pacific time, will be the Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara. I've said this for a month. Over a month, I thought one of the biggest storylines in this league was going to be who's going to get the two seed in the NFC. They get a home game and an easier opponent. 
So I was begging last night for Green Bay to win that game because I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers play San Francisco. That's been a good rivalry over the years. Forget about it. It's been a great rivalry over the years. The 49ers and the Packers, I wanted to see that again. But Geno Smith earned this as they get in as the final seat. Geno Smith's going to be the comeback player of the year. He's a pro bowler. He broke Russell Wilson's record. <laughs> when it comes to yards, look at this. What he was able to do, he had an unbelievable season. Came out of nowhere. I would say all time, as I've been a fan of football, it's one of the biggest shocks I've ever seen. I had little to no respect for Geno Smith. He wasn't even a good backup quarterback. How about that? He was a guy that you wouldn't even want as your backup quarterback for most of his career. Never played, never had much touches, never got in games, and all of a sudden now he's a pro bowler. So Pete Carroll, unbelievable job as the head coach there. I think the 49ers are going to win that game because they're clearly the better team. The line is now at 10. 10 across the board here in Vegas as I'm looking at the moving lines here at the studio. So I don't think they can win that game. Could they cover? Sure. Sure they could cover the spread there with Geno if they're able to run the ball. But the 49ers, I've been waiting for Brock Purdy to have a stinking, a terrible game. He hasn't had one. It's been just the opposite. This franchise has won 10 in a row. And he's doing his job and he's having a couple of big games there. So wouldn't you all would have rather have seen Aaron Rodgers coming out of the tunnel at Levi Stadium with nothing to lose, playing with house money, going up against Brock Purdy. We were close to seeing that until Detroit took care of that last night. Then the second game on Saturday is going to be the Chargers at the Jaguars, which to me is really important for Raider Nation. So let's get into this from a Raiders perspective. First off, the Chargers need to lose this game. The Raiders lost to Jacksonville up 17 to nothing. If the Raiders win that game, I don't think Jacksonville's in the playoffs. How about that? How do you like those apples there in Jacksonville? If the Raiders don't blow that 17-0 lead, I don't think Jacksonville gets their mojo back. That really kick-started Jacksonville's season in their run to the playoffs, on top of the fact that Tennessee collapsed and choked along the way. But with, what Brandon Staley did yesterday with Mike Williams getting hurt and Joey Bosa getting nicked was mind-blowing to me. I'm tweeting during the game and I'm watching the game, and I'm saying to myself, what are the Chargers doing? The New York Giants sat Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, okay, who you could argue Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert are more important. And the Chargers didn't need to win the game. They didn't win the game. And those guys played late into the game, into the second half. The fact that they were even playing was remarkable, and the Chargers lose. So the heat today in Los Angeles is real. For Brandon Staley, who I call Boy Blunder. But who cares what I think? He made the playoffs. The Raiders didn't. And Charger fans know that, and the Chargers are in a pretty good spot here. The Chargers are in a really good spot because the Chargers get an opportunity to play the Jaguars, a team that barely got in. Someone had to get in from that division. They're also a warm-weather team. The Chargers are a warm-weather team. So that's not going to be a problem for any anyway. The Chargers are the lower seed. They're the five seed. They got to lose this game. Raider fans, you're all Jaguar fans this week. The last thing we need is the Chargers winning a playoff game. Getting to the playoffs, okay, Raiders got there last year, didn't win a game. We need the same thing for the Chargers. Uh, that line on that game, 75% of the tickets on the Chargers, 69% of the money. And that's a different spread all over the place. It opened at Chargers minus two and a half, sharp money coming in on Jacksonville. Now it's the Chargers minus one. So they're a road favorite in Jacksonville there. So those are your Saturday games. We move on to Sunday, and you have three games on Sunday. It'll be the Dolphins at the Bills. 
So last night on my SiriusXM show, I talked about this at length. This is a very important moment for the NFL, the Dolphins, and Tua. If Tua's available to play, which means it's simple, did he clear concussion protocol or not? He should have cleared concussion protocol by now. If not, it should be a headline. should be a headline all, all over the South Florida Sentinel, all over sports radio. I don't see anything. So if Tua's cleared to play, which I'm assuming he's better, I'm assuming, then he's got to play in this game. He's the starting franchise quarterback for this team. If not, they got no chance. So they're waiting on that. Uh, Buffalo opened up an 11-point favorite. Now it's 10.5 to 11, depending on where you shop. And I always use the Westgate line. I look at Westgate to see what they have. That's the sharpest line in the country. Buffalo minus 10.5. Low total on this game, 43.5. The Jacksonville Charger total on that game is 47.5. I think Buffalo could blow Miami out. If Tua doesn't play, I think Buffalo will win by 14. They'll bury him. They'll put him away. They might even take out the starters late in that game. Who knows? But Buffalo's all in now. All in now, considering what they've been through emotionally. And if Miami plays Tua, I think they're a live dog. I don't think they'll win the game, but it'll make it much more entertaining. Then we have the Giants at the Vikings, which is an interesting game. This is a rematch in a game the Giants almost won in Week 16, I believe. Uh, This is a team that can win. They rested their starters, a few of them. Barkley, the running back, who's got fresh legs, and Daniel Jones, who runs the ball. Uh, This line opened up Minnesota minus three, and it hasn't moved. It's at three. You get three for being at home. Uh, Minnesota, remember I talked about who got that two seed? They got the three seed. If Minnesota got the two seed, they'd be playing Geno Smith in Seattle, and I think they'd win that game easier than the Giant game. Uh, Brian Dayball's done a nice job with the Giants. I think the Giants could win that game in an upset. Minnesota's at home. That could be the big difference. That crowd's pretty loud there indoors. It's a loud place to play. But I'll let you know by the end of the week. But I like the Giants in this game as an upset special. I think the Giants are playing really good football. And the fact that they got to rest their players going into this game really helps them out. And Baltimore-Cincinnati, it's the same thing as the Ravens playing Pittsburgh or the Bengals playing Pittsburgh, whatever it is. Those are low-scoring games. Low-scoring games in their battles there. It's the same thing with this spread. It's six and a half. It opened up at six. Cincinnati minus six and a half as we wait for full confirmation on Lamar Jackson and what's going to happen with him. They haven't played with him for a while, and without him, they can't win this game. And the Lamar Jackson not having a contract, I think it's going to hurt his negotiation going forward. He still might get well over $200 million, but I wouldn't give him anywhere near Deshaun Watson money at all. Wouldn't give him anywhere near that type of money. And then the other game that jumps out at me that's really interesting is the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. They played the opening game of the year. The Bucs won that game. What happened to the Cowboys yesterday? Wow. They left Dak Prescott in for a long time, and Dak takes hits. And Mike McCarthy, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. Leaving Dak in that game to get him some work and to try to get him some rhythm, and for all that, it backfired on him. They got blown out by the Commanders. Wasn't even a competitive game, and Dallas is a a three-point favorite to a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Tampa Bay. Look, as we always said, if you can get Tom Brady at home with points, Tom Brady's getting points, you got to have a $50 or $100 bill for that. Unless you're a Cowboy fan, you're delusional. You love the Cowboys. But I think fans are going to go to the window and say, man, I get Brady in points over Dak the way they've been playing. I'll take that all day long. Total on that game is 45 and a half. I like it to go over the total. I think that game could get in a shootout with Mike Evans and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, The running backs are good in this game. That's going to be a fun game to watch. 
a really good game to watch. 74% of the money is on Tampa Bay, 69% of the tickets, but Dallas is a three-point favorite there. So as we look at these playoff matchups, I think the interesting thing is the fact that there's rematches across the board. The Bills split with the Dolphins in the AFC matchups. Miami won 21-19 in Week 3. Buffalo won 32-29 in Week 14. The Bengals split with the Ravens in the AFC North matchups. Baltimore won 19-17 in Week 5. And we just saw Cincinnati win 27-16 yesterday. The Jaguars beat the Chargers. 38-10 38-10 to 10 in week three. I remember that game. That was shocking. That was a good game because I remember we were talking Raiders-Chargers and the Chargers got beat by Jacksonville and the Raiders had Jacksonville on their schedule. We were really optimistic and we knew what happened in that game. In the NFC playoffs, the Niners swept the Seahawks in the regular season 27-7 to 7 in week two, 21-13 in week 14. The Vikings beat the Giants, as I said, in week 16. That score was 27-24. And the Bucs beat the Cowboys 19-3 to in the season opener week one. So how about that? I'm on the radio tonight for the national championship game. I'm pretty excited about what could happen there. I don't think TCU can hang with Georgia. Uh, Georgia should have lost to Ohio State. They stormed back at the end of that game. That was one of the greatest finishes you could ever see in a semifinal game. And Georgia's in a pretty good spot now. TCU beating Michigan shows that they proved to be there. They deserve to be there. But Georgia... Doesn't have the defense that they had last year. Last year, they had five first-round picks on defense. First time that's ever happened, five. So the defense has dropped off a little bit, but they're going to have at least two first-rounders on that defense, maybe more. Stetson Bennett's like 30 years old. I think he's 25 years old, the quarterback, if I'm right there. He's got a lot of experience. And Georgia, I don't know who's going to travel well. The Georgia fans travel really good. TCU fans got some money. And they could be there, too. I think it's a bigger deal for TCU because they're, they're probably not coming back to the national championship game anytime soon. So you might see a nice group of their fans. I got a buddy who's driving as we speak, and there's no tailgating. SoFi stinks. I don't want to say it stinks as a stadium. It stinks as a parking lot and has no culture and no vibe. And for those who say either does Allegiant, you know, Allegiant's not Oakland. We know that, but Allegiant. You can have a good time. I tailgate in the J-Lot, and I have a good time. They're not having any tailgating at the national championship, especially a couple of corporate tents there, and that's the biggest parking lot I've ever been to in my life. So looking forward to watching that game. And you can go watch that game at Resorts World at Doghouse. Uh, They'll have a great opportunity for you to sit there. The sports book's there. There's plenty of seating. You have a great time. they got great big screens. So if you're looking for a place tonight for the national championship, head on out to Resorts World Doghouse Saloon. That's my home for Monday Night Football, and I'm definitely promoting it for this game tonight. It's a good place to go there and bring some friends. Real easy to find on the strip. Resorts World, proud partner of our show here on Raider Nation Radio. We'll see what happens on Tua's health. Mike McDaniel, just recently, we continue to take it day by day, whether it's this year or next year. Give me a break, man. They are afraid of their shadow when it comes to Tua. Either shut him down, shut him down because he's afraid to play, or give us a real evaluation that his mind and brain is clear and he can play football. He's a football player. If he can play, he can play. But, uh, man, everybody is so worried about the look in South Florida here. Maybe they should concentrate on winning a football game. Play Tua if he can play. Sit him for the entire playoffs. Put him on the sideline in street clothes if he can't go. With Tua, they're 8-4. Without him, they're 1-4. Last time I looked, this is a playoff game. More on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.
drought is over. National champions at long last. At games tonight, I'm excited to be on the radio, Sirius XM from 6 to 9. One of the biggest nights of the year for me. A lot of people are going to be watching the game, but I'll be on the radio. Covering it, we're brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. As you know, the Hall of Famer Charles Woodson built his legend on the gridiron. Now he's taking the same dedication to his new craft spirit line, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. I was at 8 Cigar Lounge over the weekend, where I tend to be, having a cigar with a couple of friends. One of my friends ordered a whiskey. I said, no. We do Woodson bourbon whiskey, and that's what we do. We tell people all around town, whenever you order a whiskey, ask for Charles Woodson's whiskey. That's how Charles's brand is going to grow. That simple. No matter where you are, if you're at a grocery store, a liquor store, you're at a casino, you're at a bar off the strip, just ask for Woodson bourbon whiskey. If they don't have it, let me know, at JT the Brick or Charles Woodson on his Twitter feed, and we'll get people on it. That's how you do a business. That's how you build the relationship long-term. And Charles appreciates that. And I saw Charles and Rich Gannon having a glass of wine at the game. I think they were drinking Charles's Intercept. So they were having a good time there, too. Great to see Rich Gannon at the torch and light the torch. And that was a great interview that we had with Eric Allen. Fantastic times. Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. As we continue with Mark Anderson from the AP, kind enough to join us and Mark, I heard your questions today. Let's start off with the media today for Josh McDaniels. How do you think it came across? Did it feel like that was an end-of-the-year type thing? Because they'll talk over the draft and all, throughout the offseason, but there was a little bit of closure there, it felt, for me in the Raider Nation. How'd you see it? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think there's any question. And I was in the locker room afterward, and, and the players themselves acknowledge it's going to be a vastly different team uh, next season than this season. So. And it really has to be. Uh, I mean, the defense really needs a, a – I don't know about a complete makeover, but they, they have to have drastic changes to that defense. I say the same for the offensive line um, and obviously the, the big question at quarterback. So uh, it's, it's um, you know, in, in, in the NFL, I mean, you can turn it around pretty quickly. So Josh McDaniels going into the second season knows that uh, 6-11 won't uh, cut it again. Yeah, I think the defense needs an overhaul. It really needs an overhaul in a massive way, and they could they can hit on that. But what the problem is, if you don't get Micah Parsons, if you don't get a player that's in the first round, they have the seventh pick overall. What do you think, Mark Anderson, is more important? Getting the franchise quarterback, if he's young, to use that pick to trade up or to just take the best defensive player available because the offense is pretty set. And with the defense, with the seventh pick overall, you're guaranteed to get an edge rusher or another great big tackle on the line of scrimmage and no doubt a linebacker or a cornerback. What do you think the priority is on defense? Yeah, and you could also make the argument you could trade down and mm-hmm. get extra picks um, because, as you mentioned, there's so many holes, and especially if they go get a veteran quarterback, whether it be Brady or Garoppolo or whoever it might be, um, you know, and and Jared Stidham has shown he's he's more than a dependable number two. If you could bring him back, then I think if, uh, you could you could definitely address a number of needs. And I mean, you've seen that you've seen the Patriots do it many times with his trade down and just acquire draft picks and and uh, build up their roster that way. And so obviously that's where McDaniel's comes from. And I wouldn't be a big surprise if that's what they do. Uh, but I can. Also see the pressure if you're sitting there with the seventh pick and one of those quarterbacks is there and you really like them that, you know, you think, well, how many chances am I going to get at a player like this? And they go ahead and do that. But I think the argument for trading down is a very valid one. 
Mark Anderson's our guest. Yeah, I'm taking a look at the picks, the top, you know, 10 picks at all. The Raiders are at seven. The Lions are at six. They don't need a quarterback. Seattle is at five with the Denver pick. If they stay with Geno, and Geno deserves it, but if they if they can get a superstar quarterback, they will. But let's leave Seattle out. The Colts need a quarterback at four. The Cardinals blew up the organization for Kyler Murray. They don't need a quarterback. The Texans do. And the Bears have Justin Fields. I think there's three really good quarterbacks in the first seven picks. I don't think the Raiders are going to have a problem getting a quarterback if they just wait at seven. And they could. I mean, you never know what happened. I, I if I'm the Bears, and who knows who knows what they're thinking in, in Chicago, but uh, given the way that organization's run, but if but if I'm the Bears, I I, I think I'd trade out of that pick. Mm-hmm. I think you could get so much for it because their team's desperate for a quarterback. And I could see someone tr- really trying to move up to make a deal with Chicago to get uh, get Bryce Young, and and uh, and then you know you, you could, and then suddenly you know one of those teams you think wasn't going to take a quarterback is, is is taking one or one of the slots. Mark Anderson joins us from the AP. What do you think the future is with the contract status of Chandler Jones? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, if you'd asked me mid-season, I'd say I just don't see much much there. But mm-hmm. he, he did toward before he got hurt. He did show, you know, the, sort of the Chandler Jones of old. Was that enough to convince the Raiders management that that he's someone you met, you mm-hmm. bookend him with uh, Max Crosby that that the next season with a full year in the system that 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 will be what they're they're looking for to really put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. They may they may talk themselves into that. I'm still not convinced that he showed mm-hmm. signs last year in Arizona um, that his best days are past him. He had the uh, you know the one big game I think early on. He had I think it was five sack game, and then mm-hmm. um, you know I think he basically matched that total in the other games combined. So uh, I just I don't know. I think he's played his best ball, and and uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me a bit if they moved on from him, but. Like I said, I can see them themselves talk, see them talking themselves into bringing him back just to, yeah. based on how he, he played toward the uh, before he got hurt. Yeah, Mark Anderson joins us from the AP. That's what I find interesting. There's no doubt he's played his best ball. I don't think he had the ability to be the Chandler Jones of five years ago. But you make an interesting point. The scheme, I think the scheme better change. I can tell you that. I don't think I know that. There's two ways of looking at this, Mark. Either get Patrick Graham smarter players, and I mean the word smarter. Equal in talent, but guys who can really get what Patrick Graham wants to do. So if that's the case, Chandler Jones should be able to adapt. He's a veteran. He should be able to play under any scheme and then help mentor some of the younger players there. But overall on defense, if Patrick Graham's going to be retained and he's going to come back, there better be a vast style of players coming in here that are more sideline to sideline and more athletic who can guard tight ends and do things over the middle of the field. So whatever the scheme is, they got to have players that fit that scheme and they got to be more athletic in my opinion. No, they do. They do. I mean, there's no doubt that the past few drafts and free agent signings, they just, they've whiffed. I mean, the Raiders, frankly, just whiffed on players and, and, uh, you know, and, and so that's where, that's where I'm kind of hesitant to be too critical of Patrick Graham. Cause mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how anyone would have done well this season with, with what the Raiders had. Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to see what he could do with some actual talent there and, uh, and may, maybe if you can't get it done, then then you go get another defensive coordinator. But uh, uh, I just I just think I think it's a, like an accumulation effect. They're really paying for for all the misses uh, 
um, we've tried to build that defense over the years. Thank you, Mark. We'll be talking to you throughout the offseason. Always appreciate you on Monday. Yeah, same here, JT. You take care of yourself. You got it. Mark Anderson from the AP. You'll be hearing a lot more of him, especially in the locker room with the sound and the questions he asked there. So good news for the Chargers. The Chargers found out Brandon Staley said Mike Williams' MRI showed no fracture or muscle injury in his back. And that's a big deal. Staley expects Williams to return to practice at some point this week. I got my buddy who listens in Buffalo, Roxy, and he's here texting me. And we're trying to figure out who can beat the Chiefs. That's a, that'll be a topic later on this week. I, I, I think the only team that can beat Buffalo is Kansas City. And the only team that can beat Kansas City is Buffalo. Now, Cincinnati, we know, can do it. But I don't think Cincinnati's roster is as good as Buffalo or Kansas City. So Jacksonville, Jacksonville is playing the Chargers. And the loser of that, excuse me, the winner of that game is going to play Kansas City. Well, I don't think Jacksonville, if they win at home, can beat Kansas City in Kansas City. Does anybody agree with the, I don't know anybody who thinks that could happen. And the Chargers, can they go into Kansas City and win? Yeah. The Chargers, if they were healthy, if Derwin James is healthy and Justin Herbert has a big game, I'm talking 370 yards, 400 yards, they can go do that. The rest of the AFC, when I look at the playoffs here, I'm not that impressed. I mean, what's going to happen? It's Cincinnati, it's no doubt the Bills, and it's Kansas City. The rest of it's really shaky to me. In the NFC, I'd like to see the Giants beat Minnesota. If Minnesota had the two seed, I think Minnesota would have won their first round game. I think Minnesota would have came in winning the first round game. And then I think Minnesota would have hosted another home game, and that place would skull, and those fans would have been nuts. And then they'd be one win away from the Super Bowl. I know Raider fans got a lot on their mind, and that's why we're Raider Nation Radio. Who do you want to lose more? You got the Niners that you want to see lose. You want the Chargers to lose. You want Kansas City to lose. I mean, Raider Nation, there's a lot of teams here I know you want to see off your television really quickly here. For me, the team that I'd like to see always lose is the Chargers because I think the Raiders are similar to the Chargers. Talent-wise, the Chargers have a better roster now, but the Chargers have no Super Bowls. I don't want to see them get there first. I don't want to see Kansas City get their third. The Niners play in the NFC, but a lot of Raider fans don't want to deal with the Niners. I get that, and if the Niners win, they're off to the races here. They get a new one with Brock Purdy. That'll break the internet. The team that I think has the chance to be the sleeper team lost last night. I really thought Green Bay, if they were able to win that game and get in, I thought that Green Bay could beat Brock Purdy. Aaron Rodgers can go in there and win. And then all the Aaron Rodgers talk, all the looseness of Aaron Rodgers would have been fun to see. But that isn't the case anymore. And that leaves me with the Eagles. The Eagles were smart to let Jalen Hurts play. They couldn't shut him down. They knew they were going to win that game. The Giants were in shutdown mode. The Commanders obviously weren't going anywhere. But Philadelphia wanted to get Jalen Hurts out there to get him going. And they were able to get him going here in a little bit. Now they have the bye week, and they deserve that bye week. The flaw on Philadelphia is going to be, is their offensive line going to be able to protect Jalen Hurts? And for all the good games Jalen Hurts played in this year, the one thing that we know about him is he hasn't played a big game. This is a big game now in Philadelphia. When you're a Philadelphia quarterback and you play in the playoffs, ask Donovan McNabb, Randall Cunningham, who lives here in Vegas. It's completely different. The pressure from those fans, it's alarming, the pressure that they put on you. A week ago tonight, I was sitting in the same studio when a young man by the name of DeMar Hamlin went down on Monday Night Football. I was a week ago tonight, and it happened on my watch. I was on the radio. My show just started, and we went into emergency mode. We went into full emergency mode. 
we turned the show into a medical emergency about the ambulance, the CPR, the hospital, canceling the game. It was postponed. What are they going to do here? And it was three of the most unique hours of my entire career. Tonight, it's a week later, and I get to celebrate the national championship game with Georgia. Uh, Georgia will be playing TCU. I just hope for a good game. I don't have a dog in the fight. Excuse the pun. I know the dog fans out there want Georgia to get it done. If Georgia gets it done, Kirby Smart is a step closer. He's still way, real far away from Nick Saban of being an icon. But Georgia would have the rare opportunity to go back-to-back with all the talent that they have. There's no tailgating. That is trending. Take a look at my tweet. Big signs in the parking lot at SoFi. Says, <laughs> I can't believe this sign. Tailgating prohibited. And the Dodgers, you're not allowed to tailgate at a Dodger game. The Dodgers have police in the parking lot in L.A. You're not allowed to tailgate. What's tailgating? Opening up your truck, having a barbecue, putting it in your space, not taking someone else's space, putting up a couple of chairs and sitting down there and cooking some chicken and some ribs. Not allowed to do it for college football in Inglewood. They won't let you drive your car in, have a couple of beers in the parking lot. Corporate America taking over sports. How disgusting is that? That you can't have a couple of beers in the parking lot. It's actually prohibited. Man, I hope we never get to that in Vegas. People want to tailgate, take their time, have a good time, enjoy the game. And it's not so much SoFi and the Chargers or the Rams. It's the NCAA. And it's this bowl game that won't allow that. And I find that very alarming. Thanks to our guests. We only had two today. Mark Anderson and Harry Ruiz. Always good to have a conversation with those gentlemen. Tomorrow, Jeff Sherman from the Westgate with the moving lines for the playoffs. Uh, More gambling coming up on the broadcast as the Raiders season is over. We'll look for the odds if you're going to be betting on these games as they're coming up at a very fast pace here. We'll have a recap of the college football national championship game tomorrow, and we'll just look for more and more Raider content. If it's not right in front of us, I'm not going to go stir the hornet's nest unless there's some really good juicy topics for us to get into and I think with Josh McDaniel's press conference earlier today, we'll play the sound bites from that tomorrow. The vision of Dave Ziegler. We can sit down with Dave whenever I want. I'll just got to text him when the time is right, and he'll be kind to sit down with us. He's been very generous with his time and see what he's thinking about going forward. And then Q tells us it's countdown to the Super Bowl. And Q's got a big remote at the Underground Lounge. That's coming up next. Great place to go hang with Q, who's great to hang with. And you can hang out with him for the national championship game. Speaking of Q, Lincoln Kennedy Q and I will host Raiders Roundtable tomorrow. We got a lot to cover off on. Jared Stidham, Derek Carr, the playoffs for other teams and not the Raiders. So I'll be in the building tomorrow at the Raiders for that. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Thanks to all of our proud partners. And for my wife and son who are driving back from ASU in Arizona, listening to us on the mobile app, get home safe, and I'll see you later on tonight.